Blog Talk Radio. The Hanukkah Spiritual Light Series. Thursday night, December 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's the Hanukkah Spiritual Light Service. Thursday night, December 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Madame Shalice and Madame LaRue, the speakers. Madame Shalice and Madame LaRue, the speakers. A $7 offertory is given. Now that consists of a light, a holder, and three pieces of parchment paper. A $7 offertory light is given. It, it you consists of a light, a holder, and three pieces of parchment paper. That's the Hanukkah Spiritual Light Service. Thursday night, December 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay. You always dream about teeth. A dream is always special. Teeth falling out. But they mean something, don't they? This is Elder Yokanis. Live. Episode 578, Dream Interpretation, Dream of Teeth. Elder Yokanan, your certified spiritual advisor, is here to help you with your everyday life. A specialist in wealth, a specialist in success, a specialist in love, and a specialist in good fortune. The four supernatural blessings in your life. You can reach him at Elder Yochanan, Y-O-C-H-A-N-A-N, Box 993, Chicago, Illinois, 60617. Now, here's Elder Yochanan. Tonight, I've got this, well, I have to say something about dreams. We're going to to talk about dreams of teeth. But after that, I have something else for you, too. Okay? And it is on Marie Laveau. Okay, but first, first, the dreams of teeth. Dreams about teeth. Particularly dreams where the dreamer finds his or her teeth falling out are much more common than you might think. Some common forms of this dream include dreams in which the dreamer's teeth crumble in his or her hand, or dreams in which the teeth fall out with just a light touch. These dreams can be extremely frightening, even more so 
than chase dreams or falling dreams. In addition, such dreams often leave the dreamer with an image that is hard to shake even after waking. There are many theories about just what teeth and losing teeth represent in the dream world, and these can be some of the most difficult dreams to interpret. One theory holds that dreams about teeth and losing teeth are a reflection of a dreamer's anxiety about his or her appearance and about how the dreamer thinks others perceive him or her. This interpretation is certainly valid, especially since we live in a society that seems to value physical beauty above all else. Since a good set of teeth play an important role in physical beauty, it is easy easy to see how uncertainties about one's appearance could manifest themselves in dreams about losing teeth. Since teeth play such an important role in physical attraction scenarios, such as flirting, getting the attention of the opposite sex, dreams of losing teeth can be manifestations of fears of getting old, fears of sexual impotence, or other dating-related anxieties. Other representations of dreams of losing teeth hold that they are representations of fear of embarrassment or making a fool of oneself. For instance, someone who is dreading a potentially embarrassing situation such as making a speech or other public speaking engagement may dream of his or her teeth falling out. This type of dream would represent an exaggeration of already present fears or anxieties brought on by the upcoming event. People who are troubled by dreams of losing teeth or teeth falling out should examine their lives for the source of possible embarrassment or appearance-based anxiety. Well, another theory holds that teeth, that teeth in dreams represent power since they are used in real life to tear, chew, and bite. Therefore, the loss of teeth in a dream represents a perceived loss of power or influence. People who feel frustrated or who feel that their voices are not being heard may have dreams about losing teeth, feeling ineffective, or feelings of inferiority are often associated with such dreams as well. Finally, some of the latest dreams research has revealed that women have more frequent dreams about teeth as they enter menopause. These dreams about teeth may be related to anxieties about appearances and fears of getting older. 
There are, of course, other interpretations of dreams of missing or losing teeth. There are interpretations of this dream in a number of the cultures around the world. Further testament to the fact that teeth are a common dream in many countries. One biblical interpretation of a dream of losing teeth holds that the bad teeth that the dreamer is placing his or her is placing his or her faith in the works of man than in the word of God. Thus, the failing teeth, the falling teeth, in the dream are urging the dreamer to turn back to God for guidance. The ancient Greeks believed that dreams about loose, rotting, or missing teeth were warnings that a close friend or family member was very ill or near death. The Chinese hold that teeth falling out is a punishment for lying, and that dreams of teeth falling teeth are manifestations of guilt over telling lies. Some have even suggested that dreams of missing teeth are associated with money. Yeah, with money. This connection probably goes back to the old tooth fairy story where children are rewarded with money for putting their lost teeth under their pillows. Oh, well, well, losing your teeth, losing your teeth in a dream can mean a lot of things. It can mean a lot, but one of the things, one of the things that it means is, is you know, well, it's connected, I believe, with money more so. It's connected with money. It's connected with money. And so when you lose teeth, it should concern your money, your money coming or your money going. That is a good belief. That's a good belief. And with with money connected to it, your dreaming of your teeth falling out would have more of a, I don't know, more of a conscious meaning than just you just losing teeth. Okay? Now, there's another thing with it. And the thing is, Kabbalah dream interpretation. Kabbalah dream interpretation. Now, in Bereshit 41 and 11, or or Genesis 41 and 11, it says, And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. Now, a Kabbalah dream interpretation is very economical. It goes for 30 minutes for $30, or 60 minutes for $60, or 90 minutes for $100. A brief interpretation of dreams and their interpretation, the interpretation of dreams by dream experts, 
may be almost as old as dreaming itself. We know that all humans and many animals dream every night, and humans have always been fascinated to learn what causes dreams and what they mean. Using Kabbalah interpretation, you can know what your dreams mean in a matter of minutes. That's right, in a matter of minutes. No more wondering of what this means or that thing every night in your dreams. You will know by listening to Elio Connie called Kabbalah's dream interpretation, either 30 minutes, 60 minutes, or 90 minutes, just enough time for you to tell your dream and get your interpretation. That's Elio Khan's Kabbalah Dream Interpretation. Go to the website at slash slash eliokhanin.org for more information. That's slash slash eliokhanin, Y-O-C-H-A-N-A-N, or dot org for more information or call seven seven three three five nine two oh nine one that's seven seven three three five nine two zero nine one why have a dream and you do not know the interpretation of it. So use Eliokanan's Kabbalah dream interpretation. That's Eliokanan, Y-O-C-H-A-N dot org, or call 773-359-2091. Well... Everybody, I hope everything is all right with you. Now, there's one more thing I have to talk about. I'm going to talk about tonight. And uh, it's something that, well, it burns on me. This is something that really, really hurts me. Well, it hurts. But I think I ought to say something about it. I think time has come to say something about it. Now, this thing is something so old that people don't want to Really pay attention to it. Really pay attention. But it's true nonetheless. Now there are many, many thoughts about Marie Laveau. You ever heard of her? Yeah, you've heard of her. She was in the 1800s. She was the she was a so-called voodoo queen in New Orleans. Well. 
I think you better understand that everything then was called voodoo. Everything then was called voodoo. It was not the voodoo that we know and or understand. Voodoo being the worship of a spirit from Benin and from the home. Those spirits were are really are really the gods of of voodoo. They are the real voodoo. And Marie Laveau was never part of the voodoo family. No, she wasn't. Everything that's told about her being it is a lie. It is a lie. Marie Laveau actually was the queen of all the hoodoos. Hoodoo. You know what hoodoo is. It is the modern term for what we worship or what we do. Hoodoo comes from hoodoo. Hoodoo. Now, Marie Laveau was not into hoodoo, worshiping hoodoo, or part of hoodoo altogether. Now, that's a lie. It is not the truth. And when I'm through, you'll probably know why I'm saying it. But while you are worshiping her or honoring her as the queen of all the voodoos, there's another lie that is so much, it is so much so bad that it needs to be straightened out. And that is that Marie Laveau, Marie Laveau, was a dark-skinned negress, that she was dark-skinned, that she was dark brown or even black, you know. And the truth is, is that she wasn't. She was not dark-skinned. Marie Laveau was a an octoroon, which is what? One-eighth black. One-eighth black. Marie Laveau, for all indications, had a white father, a white father and an octoroon mother. An octoroon, but because she because she had some black in her, she was considered black. She was considered black. Now, with that, everything that you see of her with dark skin is a lie. It is a lie. It does not. It does not portray Marie Laveau as she actually was. In fact, there is one portrait of her, a color painting of her. And in it, this is a light-skinned woman. She's light-skinned, showing her hair, and she has on a turban. Now, that photograph, that one, what's not a photograph, that picture 
is by far the oldest representation of Marie Laveau. All of the dark-skinned ones are recent. Yes, yeah, they're recent. They're recent. Marie Laveau was an individual, was an individual who had creamy milk skin of color. Now, when you think about that, there are people that believe that if you are black or you're of the black race or something like that, you should color yourself dark. But they forget that most of the champions, most of the people who portrayed and did things for the black race were light-skinned. They were light-skinned. Why? Because light-skinned blacks could read. Light-skinned blacks could gain a certain type of idea about themselves, which darker-skinned blacks could not. Now that's all. I'm, I'm just. Uh, you might as well. Go. I'm just. I'm just telling it to you. I'm telling how you can get mad if you want, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Marie Laveau did not go to the ball Creole, the uh, the Creole dancers, which was they took a girl, a lighter skinned girl, and they brought her to the, to this ball with a uh, white man, and you know whoever wanted would heck would, would would take her. Marie Laveau wouldn't go. She wouldn't go. Why? Because she didn't want to be the property of a white man. She did not want to be the property of a white man. Now, Marie Laveau, Marie Glapion, was a person who was, who was definitely black, definitely for black causes. She used to feed black. She used to educate black. She used to get blacks out of all of the trouble they were in. She would not even take a black person for slaves. See, all the stuff that they that they tell about her is really a lie. It is not the truth. Marie Clapion or Marie Laveau was a woman, was a woman who had a high amount of ideals, a high amount of ideals. They would say that she would dance naked. That's not true. That's not true. That she would dance around a snake, you know, called zombie. No, that's not true either. Every one of the things that's told about Marie LeBeau is wrong. The only thing that's true, this is true, that she helped the sick, that she helped the infirm, that she helped the, the die, that she would pay the rent for certain individuals. Now, that's true. And that she was a member of the Catholic Church. She stayed that all of her life. 
Marie Laveau was not the type of woman that did tricks or bad things to people. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. This was a a person whom people looked up to. Looked up to. Now, Marie Laveau, Marie Laveau was not, was not just a, a prostitute or something, one that slept with every man or whatever. You know, she was not that. She had, she had two husbands. She had two husbands, Mr. Glapion, Mr. Well, and when she, she died with one. She died with one husband. She had sixteen children. Yeah, sixteen. Sixteen children. And nearly all of them lived. All of them lived in the eighteen hundreds, which is considered a, a fate. It's just considered a fate, an extraordinary fate to have ever happened to a person. Now, if she had been on the on the docks or on the uh, the uh, the road or something like that, if she had to work hard, those kids would have probably died. But they didn't. Why? Because she she took care of them. She took care of them. They were children who were orderly, one educated, two. And inform three. Those children were educated. They could speak English and French. They could write English and French. They were informed of what was going on. And what they did is they stayed what? Immune or or I should say they could stay away. They stayed away from it. The children were good people. See, Marie Laveau was not a woman, was not a woman, which you would expect to be like, as I I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it, like certain women are now. Yeah, certain women are now. They just got a man or another man or this and the two or three men, kids by by two or three men or doing so so much with everybody else. Marie was not like that. Only slave women were like that. Only slave women. And most of the time when slave women were that way, it was because it wasn't what they wanted to do. No, it wasn't. But slave women were the ones that were like that. <clears throat> women that were out of slavery never did act that way. Never did. Women such as Marie Laveau never did act that way. They had a husband, and that was it. Now, they say, they say, that she was not married to a second husband. But all contraire, all contraire, 
she was married to a second husband. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And the marriage was blessed by a priest. By a priest. See, the stuff about Marie Laveau is all wrong. It's just all wrong. It's stuff it's stuff that's bought out. It's bought out of I should say, you know, just just slavery, just mess. And brought forward to make her seem this way. Marie Laveau was definitely she was definitely a person which other women should be ingratiated to perform the type of things that she did. The, the, the type of things that she did. Marie Laveau never was the dip-snuffing, the clear-out-drinking, uh, a rum drinking or a balling or party person whom they thought she was. She never was. She never was. She was a woman of strength, a woman of character, a woman which nobody could dare say anything bad about, which is why blacks refused refused to believe anything wrong about her. Now, on St. John's Day, which is really, really June June 22nd, on St. John's Day, she would, well, 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 before that, she would give, she would give peace to the poor people. Yes, she would. She would give them peace. She would make food and praying until them to eat the food. Well, she would, you know, on her on her journey, she would take food to the jail, and she dealt with the prisoners there. Yes, she did. She dealt with the prisoners there. Marie Laveau was not anybody's mom. She was not anybody. Everybody, everybody who knew about her, knew that she was right. She was was right. And the first thing that, that they do know, and they wouldn't fight you on, fight, fight it down if they wanted to, but that she was an octoroon. She was an octoroon. And an octoroon m- mulatto. She was one-eighth black, and that part is what kept her away from being white. She didn't want to be white. She didn't want to act white. She didn't even care about them. She didn't even care about them. She was a woman of class. Yes, she was a woman of class. That is what her, her giving back to her life was, which is why she lived so long. And what do I mean? Well, she's about 90 years old, 93 years old, 
in the 1800s. In the 1800s. Marie Laveau was the type of woman whom everybody could look forward to, look up to, because she helped the person which was in need. Every individual that was down and in need, she helped them. She helped them. And they could not say anything wrong about her. Anything wrong. If they needed food, she'd give it to them. If they needed money, she'd give it to them. If they need, whatever they needed. If she had it, she gave it to them. Now this picture, these these this big breasted and you know big face, you know black women. Well, I'm sorry, but but that ain't her. That ain't her. And if I tell it right, she was only about five foot five, very petite and very comely. But this big, this big African, you know what, this big Amazon-looking woman who they give it to be, that picture is not her. It is not her. And I don't care, whoever's, whoever's putting out these pictures needs to stop. Whoever's doing it, be they black, white, whatever, you need to stop it. You need to stop because that is not her. That is not her. And my name is Jean Devereaux. Yeah, that's my name, Jean Devereaux. See, so you could say what you want, but I know what she looked like. How do I know? How do I know what she looked like? Because I have seen her. I've seen her. I've seen things which revolve around her. Things that are old enough to say what she looked like or what she was. And I'm not saying that. Why? Why? I'm not saying it because I'm light-skinned. No. I'm not saying it because of that. But I do like it. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I have grown up with people making re- remarks about me, talking about me being light. You know, I have. I have. It didn't make no difference because, you know what, I'm still alive. The guys that made remarks about me, are dead. But I am still alive. I'm still alive. I don't even think about nothing like that. I don't. I tell you right out. My son, which looks like me, you know, and they say all they want about him, all they want, but he has grown past it. He has grown past it. 
there are people who would, who would try to make us feel bad, but we don't. Why? Because we can't feel bad. We can't. They look at our hair and say, oh, he got that straight hair. Or they look at his skin and say, oh, he got that light skin, that, that uh, red bone skin. You know what? My skin, my skin is just what, what yours should be. Yeah, it is my appearance. And it protects me. It protects me. There are people which see us as, well, as Indians, which we are. Yeah, because we're from the Seminole tribe. Yeah, we're Indians. There are people which would see us, you know, as as being, you know, they they call us well when, when we were when we were little. Well, they used to call us, "Hey, white boy, hey, hey, white this, hey, white that." You know what happened? They called my son that, and he would get he would get mad. I remember as a little boy starting some stuff. Somebody called him a white boy, and he picked up a baseball bat and worked him over. Worked him over, and his mama came to the house talking about that's the boy. She came to she came to my house with the police, and my son just had. You know, just beating up, and then he came in and looked at the TV. You know, I'm, I'm not thinking of nothing. He was laying on the floor looking, looking at TV. I didn't pay no attention to it. And then the police said, you know, we want John Willis. No, no, we want, uh, uh, oh, boy, we want James. And when they said that, he came out. I called him, and he came out, and they he, they looked at him and they just stopped still out laughing because my son was smaller than this other boy. He had beat him up. And his mother said that she she thought he was a big boy, but he wasn't. He wasn't. And I, you know, certain, a certain part of me wanted to laugh too, but I didn't. No, I didn't. You, you'd have been proud of me because I didn't say nothing. But now when I think of it, oh, boy, his mother got mad and was slapping him and beating him on the way home. Because that is what we went through. We went through. We went through it because that is what certain people believe Certain people want for us to be white and for them to be black. But we were black and they were black. If I can use that, the the term, oh, I'll be even better. They were African American and so were we. We were African American. You see, so when I hear this stuff about Marie Laveau, I don't get mad. I just get upset because it's as if you're trying to take away her identity from her. 
You won't let her be who she is. No, you won't. No, you won't. So all those funny pictures and all that funny, them funny statues, you know, I'm thinking about it because the girl I know had got a statue of her. And the statue, oh, boy, at the feet of the, of the statue, there's a skull. And around it is, is the feet and the, uh, the hand of a skeleton. With Marie Laveau, they always put death around her, always put death. But that was not her. It was not her. First of all, hoodoo is life. Hoodoo is life. Hoodoo gives life. It doesn't take it. It gives life. The biggest thing in hoodoo is God. God. Who is the God of life? He ain't the God of death. He's the God of life. So instead of instead of putting all these pieces of skeletons around why don't you put something which means something? Why don't you do that? Why don't you put the symbols with old such as Kabbalah? Why don't you put the put the symbols around her? Yeah, put them around her. That means something. Rhythm and death. Life. Rhythm than you know, badness. Goodness, rather than destruction, put around creation and try making that go with that. Well, that's all I say about it. You can go on and get mad, but I mean it. I mean it straight out. I mean it straight out. Well, this is Elio Connor, and I'm telling you, keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. You know, grow tall, grow as much as you should be, and try to do what you can. But Marie Laveau, oh, treat her good. Talk about her the way she was. Not a picture that you might have, but 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 if you want to use a photograph, you can get this one from the sixteen from the from the eighteen uh, sixties which looks like her. You can get it. But use the photograph, which means something, instead of something for everything. Now, this is the Elliot Connie, and good night. Elder Yocannon, your certified spiritual advisor, is here to help you with your everyday life. A specialist in wealth, a specialist in success, a specialist in love, and a specialist in good fortune. The four supernatural blessings in your life. You can reach him at Elder Yocannon, Y-O-C-H-A-N-A-N, Box 993, Chicago, Illinois, 60617. Now... Here's Elder Yocannon.
Elder Yokannon, your certified.